I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. It is Friday, May 28th, 2021. This right here, what you're looking at, it's called Morning Combat. Believe that. My name is the big beige bastard himself, the Brian Campbell, CBS Sports and Showtime. And sitting next to me, Sitting pretty, wearing a shirt he's probably worn in three of the last six Morning Combat episodes. It is the greatest non-fighting fight analyst in the world today, Luke Thomas. Luke, how the frick are you, brother? Good, and I know you're in a good mood because you started the show with that French rapist vibe. Oh, <laughs> very, very Pepe Le Pew of you. Oh. French, French, Bill Cosby. Luke, Fridays are the best time around here on Morning Combat. It's a no-J Friday. It's the orange background. Your boy BC in the con- in the con- commanding control chair, which means we're going to have a fun and efficient show. We're going to set a-, a very light weekend for combat as really a calm Luke before the big combat storm that is coming. Hopefully everybody enjoys their Memorial Day this weekend. You know, puts some dogs on the grill, invites the family and friends over, has a good time. But buckle up, folks, because it's coming. Who's coming? We're coming, right? Guess who's coming at dinner? MK is, okay? Like your female platonic college friends, MK is the best kind of friend. It has benefits and big ones. So why don't you subscribe today? Why don't you like this video? Why don't you, you know, listen to that sign and realize what's coming down the pipeline? Um, people think I don't like Canadians for some reason, that I only like Bronstetter or I only like uh, Ronaldo. I like a lot of Canadians. I like Harold Clarence Howard as one of my favorite Canadians. Luke, if I could just take over the show right now, Manich, can we throw to this video? I'm, I'm trying to set a tone here, brother. All right? My name is Harold Clarence Howard. I'm represented in Canada and Niagara Falls in the ultimate fighting challenge. We have a saying back home that if you're coming on, come on. Luke, next week is Mayweather Paul, Tank Davis on the horizon, Con- uh, Connor, Dustin 3, F- Wilder, Fury 3. The next two months are going to be batshit awesome. And Morning Combat is going to be on the ground at most of these places and in the driver's seat. So why don't you tell the people where to follow us? But more importantly, it's time to come. You want to support this show? You want to buy our shit? It's time because we're taking over, brother. Yes, we certainly are. As you can see, Morning Combat The name stays the same no matter where you go for Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, email, does not change. 
Morning Combat there. You can see the different names between us, though, for Twitter and Instagram for me and BC. And BC, I'm not sure what we can say, so I'll just allude to it if you want to give us the audience more details, you can. But I was just given some details about what we are doing next week. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be It's going to be you different. It as, it's going to be fun. As big, I think I'd describe it as big boy shit, Luke, right? Uh, for, for us, it is. But yeah, it's definitely, you know, we're not on the Desus and Merrill level, nor should we. We haven't earned it, but... We're, we're on our way. We're on our way. Yeah, yeah I, I'm fired up. I'm ready. You guys are going to have a lot of fun with us next week. All things, uh, you know, bragging rights. June 6th, obviously, the Showtime pay-per-view. Floyd and Logan. And, uh, Luke, obviously, we teased it earlier this week. I was in Puerto Rico interviewing the Fall Brothers. We're going to have a lot of talk on that later in the show. But in addition to liking and subscribing this video, in addition to checking out Luke's live chat on Thursday, we always have so much great bonus content coming your way. Gervonta Davis sat down with me. You can check that right out, out right now at Morning Combat slash YouTube ahead of his fight on Showtime pay-per-view June 26th. Uh, Luke, you and I yesterday sat in front of these here microphones and recorded a bonus holiday show of Morning Combat uh, answering the viewer questions. It's going to run on Monday, on Memorial Day. They can check that out. And also, Luke, coming later today on Showtime Sports' YouTube page, on Showtime Sports' social channels. Mm. It's going to be your boy, BC and Logan Paul. Here's just a little. Here's just a little taste. Just put it on. Just, you know, just get it like this, okay? I'm going to need you to do it, please. You say take everything away. What does that mean? I mean, <laughs> think about it. The, the poster says bragging rights. Floyd beats me. <laughs> what bragging rights are there? You beat a YouTuber? Like, good job. I beat Floyd. His whole life means absolutely nothing. 50 wins but you lost to a podcasting Pokemon collecting YouTuber. So yeah, he's got a lot on the table. I'm just going in there, no fucks given. And Luke, that's similar to you because you have bought in now on next week. You're going to Miami, no fucks given. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've bought in on the idea that this is an interesting fight. In fact, I'm pretty sure I have it. But uh, I've bought in on the idea that complaining about it constantly has certainly gotten me nowhere. Might as well just smile about it. I will say, you standing next to him, you two look like you're different species. I just, you can't even believe these well, are both homo sapiens? Wow, I, I, I wouldn't have been, well, I mean, you know. I mean, he's rock hard with emotion and chiseled. I was a bit uh, doughy and sweaty, Luke. So, uh, unfortunately, that gym, by the, the way, fitness- correct me if I'm wrong, I couldn't tell. But that gym looked like it was maybe 10,000 degrees inside. (laughs) It was hot as hell on the streets. My hands were all bloody, Luke, from punching on the concrete. God damn, homie. I mean, look at me right there. I look like just a sweaty old dad, and that is exactly what happened. <laughs> Luke, I picked that floral pattern to try to, you know, distract the viewers from my extra weight and my, my, you know, my complexion. It didn't work. I'm sorry. It didn't work. Well, you know, I'm tried. sure the interview was good. I absolutely will watch it. And just to remind folks, just because they may have missed it, the video is the video of your interview with Logan Paul. It's not going to be posted on the MK channel. You got to go to the show sports YouTube channel. Did I get that right? That is correct. Later today, at some point, also I believe uh, Logan will probably be sharing it to his one trillion followers across some, you know, social uh, channels we haven't even heard of before because we're forty one and forty two years old. But that's the story. Morning Glory. Uh, I'm ready for this show, Luke. You want to tell all the people the update we have on Merch 2.0? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you want me to make armpit noises for the next 50 hours? Because that's about all it's worth uh, with the updates. By the way, you keep mentioning my shirt. It's the same one. It's not the same one, although admittedly the front thing looks the same. Shouts to this company called Notorious Bastards. I don't know if you can kind of see. This is the 
This is their logo here. Uh, I've got a there. It's like a sort of a tattoo kind of chic uh, thing you can see here. I got sort of Japanese styled images on the oh, back. Oh, nice! I like. Yeah, wait, yeah, show yeah. the back, Luke. Show the back. What is that? A tiger? Yeah, it's supposed to be. I think. Okay. Can you see? Yeah, show the Jurassic back yeah. you're working on there. Nice. I like that. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So, so shouts to them. I've got a bunch of different stuff on the back. But, yes, they look the same. Technically not the same. Literally. And I didn't mean to shame you on going back to the well in the same wardrobe. I mean, we, we praise Bill and Jen and their RV for wearing our shit every third day, right? So Yeah. Now, listen, if you were to say, Luke, do you shower inconsistently? This is a claim I could not argue against. But it is yeah. technically a new shirt. I mean, while we're showing off T-shirts, Luke, it is Friday. I, I try to play like a champion on Friday. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, shout out to my man Brandon Wise at CBS Sports who once gifted me with this. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I, yeah, I got a phoner. Indeed, Luke. All right. Uh, before we get canceled here, we might as well get into the show. Anything else, Luke? Anything else? What you? What do you have plans for this weekend? Okay. Yo, Abuela, so, going to put some shit on the grill? What's happening? No, no, no. I don't, I'm not too big on the whole. I, I like grilling, but I don't make it a huge priority. But Monday, Monday. The guy who married my wife and I, and then our other best friends, so the three of us became friends in college, we've been friends ever since, the The guy who married my wife and I is also like my personal attorney for like all my contracts and stuff, He's he moved to D.C., and then the other guy, my friend who moved to Switzerland, he moved back to D.C. for the summer, so he's here for the summer, he just had, well I, say, I should say just, but um, obviously he's been in Switzerland, but he has a six month old baby boy, and he's got a three year old girl, so we're all going to get together on Monday, and we're all going to get the kids together, and we're all going to hang out. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't call that the most exciting life in the world, but it's mine, and I like it. Hey, for the summer, for the summer. I bet he, I bet he likes girls that wear... No, we're not going down that road. All right, Luke, um, you know, uh, Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. You know that business right there. So let's get into the good stuff here. A light weekend, as we talked about, still have some combat sports news to get into. Our top story of the day here on Friday Really good UFC featherweight fight has been announced and slated July 17th. I'm not sure the location, but former champion Max Holloway taking on the always exciting Yair Rodriguez. Luke, when you hear those two savages being put into the same sentence, your reaction is? I hope Yair's ready. Uh, I, I love this fight because... Rodriguez is absolutely a sort of come-forward kind of guy. He's unusual, high-flying, uh, certainly full of creativity and flow, and uh, to an extent, artistry, I think, is, is, is fair as well. But Max Holloway is, uh, should be, should be a lot better. I mean, this is a major step up from what Rod Rodriguez has typically been fighting. He's not been fighting chumps, but M Max Holloway is a totally different order of opponent. BC, I'll tell you this. I love the fight because I think for Max, staying busy is the right call. This is a credentialed opponent that, you know, I think has a chance at win. I don't think it's a great one, but certainly if you're Max, you have to take that seriously. For Yair, it would be a signature win. Again, the fight itself is going to be amazing. But I just can't help but look at this and think to myself, you know, did the UFC try to send a message to Yair with this matchmaking? Did they did they try to tell him, well, you know, we've been... Out. but. What is that message? What are you implying? I'm, I'm curious. What are you implying? What is the message? I don't know. I don't know what the message is, but it's hard for me to look at this and think that what the, the way that the matchup came to be was strictly, strictly, listen to my words, strictly a function of, well, he's available, he's available, they both want it. I tend to think there might be some thinking in the promotion about, you know, for Yair, 
shit or get off the pot? Where are we with this whole thing? Where are you coming or going? Where, where, what are we going to do with you as a real contender for the future? I think this, Would you say this that, that, is that, that this is Dana and Mick Maynard saying if you're going to come on, then... Yeah. I mean, on. listen, listen. Yair has shown great ability, and he's got some good wins. But he's got some bad losses, and he's got some you know wins by the skin of his teeth, even if they were exciting against the Korean zombie. Max Holloway is the ultimate, ultimate proving ground. I mean, Volkanovski is the champ and can barely, barely, controversially beat him. You know, this is a very tough out for Yair, and I think that the UFC is kind of asking, all right, man, are you going to be something or are you not? We're, well, we're going to find out. I want to half dead wrong you here, and I don't know if it's a dead wrong. Let me let me present it like this. When this fight got announced, right, it, it just in the past 24 hours, I saw it and I was like, oh, God, yeah. Like, because we know where we're at in the in the overall title picture. Volkanovski's the champion. He's got Brian Ortega next. They're filming the Ultimate Fighter. That's sort of locked up right there for a while. Max just fought Calvin Cater, and I understand. It was one of the greatest, most dominant one-sided elite level performance we've ever seen if you had any doubt max coming off the the two losses to volkanovsky is he still the same yeah yeah he's still the same guy all that and then some right uh you know short hawaiian and handsome indeed but your reaction was the same as i saw on twitter the same as i saw in my cbs sports slacks with my uh fellow uh combat guys there was oh shit you know good fight but Buckle up, Yair. You're in for, uh, you know, you're in for a pasting. And you, and the reason why I said dead wrong is you just said, you know, Yair's had some big losses too. Yet I call up his profile here at age 28. Luke, he's actually 10 and one since 2013. Mm. Now mm. he was stopped doctor stoppage in round two against Frankie Edgar four years ago. And yes, he was on his way to losing a spectacular five round slugfest with the Korean zombie before doing that, that awesomely weird shit in the last second right there, Luke. And then he had the weird two fight series with Jeremy Stevens in which he came out on top. But, but like, where's the issue there? Where's the fight where you're like, I'm not saying I'd favor him, dude. Holloway looks like a million dollars right now. And I don't care if you watch that second fight 49 more times. I was there. I still think, or was I there? I don't even know anymore, but I still think Max beat Volkanovsky. But where's your doubt on like Yair deserving this or, or feeling like he can't be competitive and even win this when you look at his last eight years, Luke, he's lost just one time, bro. All right. So the time against Frankie, he got, he got crushed. I mean, I just say what it is, which is fine. Frankie was just a bad matchup for him at that time. That's okay. The the two other fights, though, granted, he only has the one loss. That's fine. But the two other fights that sort of stand out to me are one, the Korean zombie loss, or win. I mean, to be clear, he was losing that fight. It was back and forth, but Korean zombie was walking him down and landing significantly more. The other part about the Stevens fight is he faded bad in that fight. If it had gone to like a, th- a fourth or fifth round, had it been in the original main event, it would have been a disaster for him. He was strong early, and that I'll give him credit, but he faded down the stretch, and Jeremy was putting it on him late. You know, against a guy like Max Holloway, that is an unforgivable mistake. You will lose the bout if you have that kind of a problem against him. No doubt about it. So to me, it's, it's you know, he's got a good record, maybe even a very good record. But the reason why it's a big difference is, one, Max is a modular striker. He can switch stances, go different angles. He can do whatever kind of approach from a stance, distance, jabbing, and timing perspective that he needs to to disrupt someone else's rhythm and really put his jab in their face. He's very, very good at that. He's good at adapting. More to the point, 
What the problem with Rodriguez is those high-flying things that he does, I think that's directly draining to his cardio. I think it misses a lot against the the better opposition. And you're talking about the guy who is either, if not the best featherweight on earth, you know, a hair away from it. The difference between him and Volkanovski is minimal. Dude, this is an uphill climb for Yair Rodriguez. Winnable, winnable, but uphill climb. Oh, you, you, I'll give you credit. You answered that devil's advocate question perfectly with convincing uh, responses there. But considering he's only 28, and let's not forget the recent resurgence slash reinvention we saw from somebody like Charlie Olives, um, you know, is it still sure. is there still reason to believe the best of Yair hasn't been shown yet? Yes, that's a fair point. You know, we this is why you got to temper your enthusiasm. It's like if what we know is what we've seen, if that's the truth of the future then Yair's probably in big trouble. If, on the other hand, that the future is a little bit more complicated, maybe all the damage will begin to catch up with Max. We'll see signs of it. And maybe, to your point, this continued maturation of Yair will produce fruit we have not seen to this point. That is very plausible. That's entirely plausible, and you have to allow room for it. So when we make our analyses, all we really go off on is... Uh, not just what we've seen, but where we think the trajectory is taking these guys. And for Yair... Up to this point, I've certainly seen enough development to take him very seriously. He's a very, very good fighter. Uh, I just don't know if I've seen the kinds of things that make me think he has what it takes to take on someone who's got the very complete fundamentals that a guy like Max Holloway does. When I say fundamentals, I don't mean basics, BC. I mean all the foundational skills that build a really strong game. He's got them all. Yeah, good shit right there. That is one week after Connor Dustin three at an international fight week. Uh, Misha Tate is also on that card in her comeback fight against Marianne Reynaud. Looking forward to both of those indeed, Luke. Let's keep the train rolling here on this Friday. Topic two, Luke, is, uh, you know, I'm sorry, it, it happens. When UFC President Dana White speaks publicly, we often have things to react to. Luke, uh, Dana has responded to some interesting news which broke Wednesday directly after we finished morning combat. John Jones, who seems to be at the moment on the outside looking in in these very public negotiations for a fight against Francis Ngannou at heavyweight for the title. In fact, UFC has outwardly said we've moved on past him. We've got Derek Lewis up next. We've got Stipe in the bullpen if needed. John Jones went out, Luke, and he hired, of all people, boxing promoter Richard Schaefer to be his new, quote, advisor. Now, if you're not familiar with the Swiss banker himself, Richard Schaefer, he uh, came to prominence when he joined with Oscar De La Hoya to launch Golden Boy Promotions back when Oscar was still fighting. And if you don't know, now you know, Richard Schaefer was the brains behind that. He was the one who promoted uh, all of those early Floyd Mayweather blockbuster pay-per-views on Showtime against Canelo, against whomever, until him and Oscar had that very public uh, fallout when Richard Schaefer tried to essentially get Oscar to get to sign Golden Boy with Al Heyman. And when Al Heyman went public in 2015, it was supposed to, you know, and, and started the PBC and put it on multiple networks. It was supposed to be Golden, you know, Golden Boy Promotions as the promoter of that. Oscar said no. We know the story. He pulled out. He took Canelo with him, and he went in another direction. Richard has come back since that, Luke, and had middling success as a boxing promoter but this is pretty big news and what made the news bigger was Dana's response when he said quote I like Richard I've known Richard for a long time and obviously he built Golden Boy he built that company he knows what he's doing he's a smart guy I like and respect him and if we can get something done we will 
Luke, I don't know if you heard subsequently, Richard Schaefer was a guest yesterday on the Sirius XM show hosted by, uh, what is it, R.J. Clifford and Dean Thomas? That's right. I, I listened to that as well, and I'll talk about that in a second. But what is your response to this decision by John and, and Dana's very positive reaction? I think it's smart. I think it's smart. I mean, listen, the situation that he had with front, uh, for, uh, is it um, uh, first round management, FRM, was broken. It was broken, right? Because there was only two possibilities. One, first round management is trying to negotiate this and failing. Or two, as it was explained to me, John was on his own, still involved with them. But basically, you know, whatever, I, we've not gotten John's perspective, but he didn't like them doing it or he maybe didn't even trust them to do it. Whatever, whatever his reasons may be, he was the one trying to negotiate on his behalf. And I think it was just a poisoned, untenable situation. So he blew it up. They all blew it up and decided to go their separate ways. I think all the parties are happier here. He went to somebody in boxing. Now, as you know, BC, sometimes that can be a bit of a gamble. For example, Holly Holmes' manager is her original boxing manager, and Holly Holm and Dana have butted heads on a, or Holly Holmes' manager, I should say, have butted heads on a number of occasions. He's an old-school boxing guy. He's kind of like, you know, he's a little rough around the edges when I, whenever I've dealt with him, but he really takes care of Holly's interests and has done as well for her as I think someone could expect. Richard Schaefer being liked by Dana because of what he has done in the boxing business I think is a fresh perspective. It's a fresh set of eyes. And the thing about him, in addition to getting with Richard as a, an advisor, uh, B.C., is that he also said, you know, I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to come back maybe at the end of the year, the beginning of the next year. I like that he said clean break from uh, his old management company. It, again, it was already mostly broken, but fully clean break. And then let's take a step back from the situation. It's too acrimonious. They're still negotiating public. I guarantee you Richard says, hit the pause button a little bit. Keep working on your craft. Let's get back to this a little bit down the road when they're looking ahead for their future, and then let's reinvest in this conversation. And because this guy does understand the pay-per-view space and the how to promote a star space, Richard Schaefer does understand that. I, I don't know if they're going to get a deal done, but I'll say this. Has my confidence gone up in the possibility of it? 1,000%. Do you feel the same? You don't see Dana react like that. Like, seriously, it was a very shocking reaction for him to be like, okay, you know, that's a good guy I trust and respect. And, you know, uh, I, I listened to the interview with Richard on, on the SiriusXM show, and it was very, very well done. And, what, you know, some things he talked about, Luke, was, you know, he's he may not have MMA experience, but he's got I insane experience promoting pay-per-view blockbusters and the distribution of the different wealth streams within that. And I think that's important. Now, look, you know, one thing Floyd with Al Heyman as the genius behind him did an incredible job and sort of changed the game was eliminating the power of the middleman, like the promoter as the guy who's gobbling everything up. And as we always talk about, you know, Floyd set the prices of the hot dogs in the arena and the T-shirts. I mean, Floyd had his hands in every piece of revenue. To have somebody like, like Richard, who's you know, easy to talk to and smart and, and understands maybe even how to bring even more, you know, pay-per-view money in for the UFC and can work with Dana, not just somebody who's Dana's going to get along with and respect, but can figure out, okay, you don't want to pay John a, a ton of a guarantee, let's say, well, how can we figure out other ways to bring in money to make this happen? John's the greatest of all time. Like, why are we doing this? It's a lot better, Luke, than where we're at, obviously. And where we're at, is a public negotiation, and that never works. And that's something Richard said in that interview. He's like, the first thing I'm going to do, guys, 
is stop talking about what happens behind the scenes in front of it. I'm not going to, you know, have a meeting with Dana and then do 20 interviews and break down what happened. Like, we're going to go behind the scenes and we're going to slowly but surely figure that out. That's great news if you are a John fan and you want to see him maximize his ceiling and go to heavyweight and see if he can become a two-division champion. And, you know, Richard maybe overstepped his bounds by saying, He's saying he thinks John versus Francis could be the biggest fight in UFC history. And anybody listening, saying, hearing me saying that, saying, BC, didn't you say that could do 2 million pay-per-view buys? I mean, yeah, I still believe that. If promoted correctly and put it in a stadium with 80,000 people, it could be a monster. So Richard's not, like, wrong in saying that. But maybe to your point, let's step back. Let's take the time to build that. And if all of us have to sit through the idea of Nganu versus Lewis first, and maybe even Nganu versus Stipe again, for all we know, if Nganu can come out of that, and if in the process John and Dana can get back on at least speaking terms and understanding each other, that could be a really freaking huge fight. That means so much because Nganu's star would be bigger by that point. Would we all want that fight right now? Is there a danger in letting it stretch out? Obviously. But at least this is uh, some water in the desert, so to speak, Luke. A little bit of a, you know, a little bit of hope in this situation. You don't often see Dana buy in in this spot, especially with managers and shit. So for him to be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this, Luke. Let's see what happens. Also, I to, I, oh, real quickly, I have to just add, you see, and, and I know you can appreciate this. When I first got into MMA coverage of any kind, even just at an amateur or hobbyist level, you know, it wasn't just that. I mean, boxing was in a different position. It was the superior... Uh, combat sport in the sense of what it meant for uh, revenue generation and, and the American consciousness and whatever. Like you had guys at the time, Mayweather and Pacquiao, who could pull two million buys almost routinely. It was just amazing at the time. And Canelo was coming up. Like MMA just couldn't produce the same kind of numbers, even though it was growing in an exponential rate. And the two worlds were kind of distinct. Dude, like the the walls between MMA and boxing, they're still there in many ways. But a lot of the old ones are collapsing. Look at Clarissa Shields. She's making her debut, you know, uh, I think next week or you know, very, very soon. Obviously, now you're getting advisors from boxing coming over. There's a lot more cross-training that's happened. We're looking at this Triller thing, which is kind of a weird mix in some ways. Like, dude, this did not exist 15 years ago at all. And you got to kind of – it's, a, I think, an example of – uh, where both sports are, and they're a lot more equal, maybe even MMA a little bit more popular, which was unthinkable when I first started seeing what Richard Schaefer was doing. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to gloss over as a true boxing guy here. There is a little bit of controversy surrounding Richard, of course, with the way the Golden Boy split happened. And here's the crux of it real quick. Um, when Al Heyman brought all of his big-name fighters from HBO to Showtime in 2013, and the big news was that Floyd signed that six-fight deal, which was landmark, and it obviously produced killer numbers. You know, they brought all these great fighters with them and had this giant stable at Showtime but the key here is that they didn't sign like exclusive deals with Golden Boy Promotions. They were fight by fight. And once mm. Oscar sort of realized that, he looked at it as a Richard betrayal that Richard was siding with Al Heyman. And that was part of Oscar waking up who, you know, you always hear reports, Luke. Oscar's the face of Golden Boy, but he ain't really running it, so to speak, behind the scenes. That became apparent. Little bit of controversy there. Richard obviously still a smart man. So we'll see what happens. I mentioned Dana. Uh, I'm not sure if this was specifically from his interview with Kevin Ioli or not. I don't have accreditation here. But he talked about the idea that Ngannou's going to move on and he's going to fight Derek Lewis. And here's the quote. Derek Lewis is getting that fight. My people were just telling me that John Jones came out yesterday and said he's not fighting until next year. We just had a great experience in Houston. I'll probably take that fight back to Houston. Luke, that's looking like, what, August? We're going in that direction? Mm-hmm. Something August or September, yeah. Something like that is, my, is, is, is the best I can tell. By the time that fight comes... 
Will we not focus on John enough and just focus on the fact that that's pretty freaking fun fight? Even though they fought once already and it sucked the horn, this rematch could be incredible. I th- I think that the fight, if the, if the fight ends up being good, I think it will limit to an extent how much John Jones conversation there is. But there, dude, you know as well as I do. Everything before that fight, every result that comes after that fight. If Francis looks amazing, people are going to say John's in trouble. If he looks terrible, everyone's going to say John's going to be the new champion or some combination of the two or somewhere in between. There's no denying he is, you know, boogeyman, I don't know, but he casts a shadow over that division. Until that's resolved, he will, it will be in play. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Dana was also presented with the news that Diego Sanchez, of course, has cut ways with Joshua Fabia as his trainer, shaman, best friend, masseuse, OnlyFans account manager, social media advisor. Maybe more, Luke, behind the scenes. I don't know. I don't care. Okay. Right? Weirdo. Okay. School of uh, self-awareness. Guru. Um, cook. Mechanic. Barber, tattoo you do artist. this all day, or are you just gonna gonna get to the point here? Uh, so here's what Dana said about the idea of Diego ever fulfilling what they originally set out to do, which was a final career-ending retirement fight with the UFC. He says Dana says, "I don't know. I honestly don't know. Even when we were doing a farewell fight, I didn't love it. I didn't love the fact that he's still fighting. But no matter what I do, if I let Diego go, he'll probably end up somewhere else." That's what I was thinking at the time, and I love the kid. He wanted one more fight. I'm going to give it to him, and then all hell broke, or I was going to give it to him, and then all hell broke loose, and here we are today. Luke, it seemed in this interview uh, that he was, like, debating publicly if he's going to open that door back up now that Fabi is out of the picture. Luke, I feel like this is just a horrible idea altogether. Can we just end this? Like, Diego, you're great. We love you. you. You had a Hall of Fame fight that got recognized and put in the Hall of Fame. I don't think you're a Hall of Famer, but you had a almost Hall of Fame level impact. I'll give you credit that your career sustained and had longevity, even though you're an OG. You're a warrior. You're batshit crazy and we love it. I don't need one more, Luke. No, for what? I mean, someone asked me in the live chat yesterday, oh, now that Diego and Joshua Fabio have split, would you want to interview both of them? Like, for what? Like, what, 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 what gold is there to mine at this point? What is the... What would be the purpose of having this conversation? I've heard everything I need to hear from Joshua Fabia, probably, and then some. And certainly Diego, I think, you know, has probably got some issues to work through. He's got this new attorney. I leave that to them. But to go in there and just hear more accusatory, uh, you know, just these allegations are going to level at each other when there's no real way to adjudicate it. Uh, Why do I want to hear that? And then, you know, I know you're talking about the fight. It's like, you know, listen. If you're not going to give them a contract or give them a fight because you have apprehensions about it, then the most net ethical next step is not to trap him in a contract. It's to let him go and then let someone else deal with the moral complications of it. I, I know that that's not a perfect answer, but that's the world we live in, dude. He has a right to go and do whatever the government would giving a license will say he can do. And we just kind of have to live with it a little bit. So, you know, the, to me, this is like... I'm, I'm very much over this situation. And I hope others Yeah, we don't well. need to see... You know, Diego doing one more against BJ Penn. I mean, it's there's still enough of a possible chance that they'll have one more in a parking lot outside of a strip club in Hawaii. Like, we don't want anything bad happening. Luke, Diego has entered the old stripper stage of his career. It's fair. It's fair. It's unfair, but it's fair, okay? I mean, I don't like putting it in those terms, but I'll let you do that. Okay, okay. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> what, what? Manich is live live chatting me here. Okay. All right. Thank you, Manich. Okay. Full screen graphic. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. All right. Let's roll on here, Luke. Showtime Boxing is back. Showtime Championship Boxing, in fact, this Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. A triple header back where it belongs. The war grounds are as. Morwanalo so cleverly put it a couple weeks back, the Punch Bowl. It is that great tennis arena, Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, StubHub, Home Depot Center, whatever the hell you used to call it. And Luke, there's a bit of like history and legend status here at play when the great four-division champion, 38-year-old Nonito Donaire, the Filipino Flash, comes back in yet another big fight against unbeaten Southpaw and French WBC Bantamweight champion. This is 118 pounds. Nordine Ubali. Luke, this fight was originally scheduled for 2020. Uh, somebody got COVID. Then they got a new opponent. Then somebody else got COVID. Both guys beat COVID in their back. It's an 18-month layoff for both. You may remember that Donaire had the fight of the year in 2019 in December in Japan against the monster Naoa Une. Inua, Inua, uh, Anue, excuse me, who is number two on my pound for pound list. Luke Ubali was on that co-main. He, he beat Anue's younger brother and handed him his first defeat. But here we are, Luke. And I know that this may look at paper like, you know, if you don't know better, whatever. But here's the deal. Donaire is already the oldest fighter to win a title at 118 pounds when he did it three years ago when he beat Ryan Burnett at 35 years old. He's now 38 years and 204 days old entering this fight on Saturday. And he could shatter that record. And I want to really double down on this here. Luke, you and I talk about this in both boxing and MMA. It is insanely hard in the lower weight classes to stay relevant. Yes, Donaire has big power and that puncher's chance. But he went in there against the pound-for-pound pound best last time out, Anue, One of those guys who's in that discussion and he broke Inoue's eye socket, Luke. And they had a 12-round slugfest. And time and time again, he keeps proving that he's not done. This twilight of, of Donaire's career has been incredible. He won't stop seeking out big names. Does he lose to some of them, like Carl Frampton, whatever? Yes. But he's also beaten guys in between and rebuilt himself. He's almost entering like a Bernard Hopkins-type run of his career, where it's like, we already thought he was old. Yet he won't stop taking big chances. Luke, this fight on paper is pretty damn close. It's it's just above a 50-50, meaning I think William Hill has uh, Donaire currently, if I can look up my, my odds on this list, uh, at plus 230, minus 303 for Ubali. So, you know, Donaire's a live dog. How much respect at 38? I mean, you remember this guy in that, you know, Rigondeaux fight back in like 2013, back when he was pound for pound number two in the world. He's still at it, Luke. He is still at it, and I've been reading a lot of like uh, previews of it, and I've been watching some tape in anticipating, anticipating, uh, anticipation of the fight, but also today's show. I I'll tell you where I come down, and I wonder what you make of it. The one thing I keep coming back to that I think gives Ubali... Ubali, by the way, not a huge favorite. In fact, we, we, how many times do we come on here and the odds are always like, you know, 2,000 this way and plus 1,000 that way? Not this one. Nordin Ubali is the favorite, but not by much by boxing standards. Minus 310 to Donaire's plus 255. That is very, I mean, you get other fights on the card, you got a minus 7,500 favorite. So you're talking about a very narrow set of odds between two people. But here's why I keep coming back to BC for all the things you said. The, the power of Donaire is still there. He, he, I get real Hendo vibes from him. You know how Hendo had that period in his career right before his chin went really soft? 
where he was kind of vulnerable but still super powerful. It's a little bit in that space. The thing that gives me the the nod towards Ubali though, two things. One, control of range. I thought was is is, is the he shines on tape for that. But this one, BC, speed. The footwork of Ubali, quick, hand speed, quick. He just seems to be a lot more nimble than someone at this stage than Donaire has showed us. But to your point, they both had COVID. They've had some lengthy layoffs. There's some lingering questions in either way. Well, what do you make of my assessment? The speed, not just his hands, but his body and his feet of Ubali. I think that might give down the stretch, if he can avoid the big punch, someone like Donaire some trouble. It's almost exactly what I wrote this morning in my preview of this fight for CBS Sports, mm. where it's like, Ubali's got an aggressive style, but if you read the CompuBox numbers, his style sort of disarms his opponents because he's tricky, he's a southpaw, but because he flurries in and out, and he really lowers the punch output of his opponents. Now, that isn't... If you're a Donaire fan, that's not as much as of a fear because Donaire is, is, at this stage, he almost is like Dan Hendo. It's kind of a perfect comparison. He holds that right hand up like Henderson would hold the H-bomb and just, and just be like, you know what's coming, bro. Like, this is what I got, and I'm going to bring it. So I think for Donaire, it's going to be hard to win rounds against this guy unless you can hurt him and drop him. So he's going to have to stalk for the knockout. I think Ubali, though, if you watch him, he's had some nice wins to get to this point. He's held that belt. It's now be his third title defense. Held it for a few years now. If he can get to twelve to the distance, if he can go to the 12, Luke, I like Ubali to win here. And I think he is awkward mm. and quick enough to avoid trouble yet, Luke. Yet. I know it's been 18 months since we've seen Donaire. I cannot express to you how impressive it was what he did against Naiwa Inoue 18 months ago. Inoue's unbeaten. He's like a three-division champion. Every weight class he moves up to, he knocks people the hell out. And Donaire took his best shots and then broke his eye socket. <laughs> so here's what's wild, Luke, is Donaire has gone as high the last decade as 126 pounds. He had two separate runs there. He lost to Frampton to end the second one. He lost to Nicholas Walters, who for a short season, the Jamaican was a, was a killer, was a knockout artist. And, and Donaire got knocked out, and we thought he was kind of done then, Luke. But 118 has always been his best weight, and he can still cut down to it, and he's dangerous as shit at it. You have to like Ubali's chances here. But, Luke, how about this stat? If Donaire wins this fight and, and wins yet another title, and he's already, by the way, like a stamped future Hall of Famer, four-division champion. He was his highest pound-for-pound number two almost a decade ago. He will become the 11th boxer in history and just the ninth male to win a recognized world title in three different decades. Hmm. I mean, the list of guys who have done that is like Pacquiao, Holyfield, Sugar Ray Robinson, Hopkins, the great Jorge Arce, Mayweather, Eric Morales, uh, Chocolatito, a couple other names thrown in there, a couple female fighters as well, um, including Cecilia Bracus, who who was the uh, undisputed welterweight champion. I mean, look, that is like, I, you know, I don't care if there's too many belts this this, this day, these days, and there are. You win titles in three different decades. I mean, this that's, that, especially at the low weight divisions. I mean, this is a special guy who's always kind of been in Manny Pacquiao's shadow in a way because they're both from the Philippines, and he was kind of like Manny Jr. from a marketing standpoint, but... He's really ironing out such a special and fun career. This is worth your time, folks. Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Looking forward fun. to it. And Luke, you know that arena. You know that freaking history there. Shit happens at that place, Luke. Okay? Yes, it does. I, Vasquez I, I Marquez, okay? Bradley Provodnikov, you know? Uh, we did. Uh, we did Vasquez Marquez. Uh, what was it called? Morning Combat? 
Classics, uh, whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah, something like that. That was a great uh, way to make extra money and get drunk on the air during the quarantine. Because I was getting yes, drunk anyway was. during the quarantine. So that yes, turned out really well. I did a lot of drinking well. myself. All right, Luke. That is going on also this Saturday in the boxing game on DAZN. A very interesting fight. 22-year-old Devin Haney, Luke, has the WBC lightweight title. I know you're confused because there's too many belts, and there are. Teofimo Lopez Jr., who's coming back on Triller in about a week or two against Cambosos, he has all four lightweight titles, including the WBC franchise champion, which is bullshit, Luke. But it is what it is. 22-year-old Devin Haney is one of those guys that we have tabbed as, like, the futures of the sport at this division. You got Gervonta, you got Teo, you got freaking Ryan Garcia, you got, you know, I love Shakur Stevenson, who's going to move up soon. Haney is great. But we, he has had a hard time getting in there against elite competition. They don't want to fight him. Finally, we got a guy, maybe a little bit too old to call elite, but a guy who can give him a tough-ass chance here, 35-year-old Jorge Linares, who has is one of the most, you know, slickest and most beautiful boxers from the standpoint of combinations and, and angles that we've seen in this game. He's still got some juice left. It's only been a few years since he went in there against Vasily Lomachenko and dropped him and was very competitive before being stopped late. Luke, this is looked at, even though the odds makers have Haney as a almost laughable favorite here. I think it's like, you know, it's insane. This is a great test of where Devin Haney's at. It is. I'm not sure what to make of Lenores. 35 years old. I went back and I watched the, you know, you can say it's not super representative of his ability, but in some ways it is because when he gets stopped, it tends to happen early. But I went back and I watched the Cano fight. You know, he got run over in that fight uh, quickly. But he, like, moved oh, he, he moved up to 140, Luke, and he found out it ain't for him, right? Yeah, he came fast, fast. I mean, he couldn't even deal. It's funny because it wasn't just the power of Cano. It was the speed. He was catching him over the top of his jab. Just great time. Well, I should say good timing anyway. Um, it, he, you know, not the weight class form from a size standpoint, not the, not the weight class form from a physicality standpoint. Or a, a real, and even just frankly, there was, he didn't, I didn't know what advantage he was taking with him into that fight. Okay. And then since then he had a couple of rebound matches, but the point being is if you did look at his record a little bit in some of the fights where he has stumbled, it has tended to happen a little bit early. Lomachenko a little bit later, but, um, you know, th that is there. So the question for me is with a guy like Haney, I don't see Haney on tape, BC, he doesn't come off to me, still young, but he doesn't come off to me as like devastating puncher. I don't really see that. He doesn't come off to me as like the guy with like the quickest speed, although he is obviously very athletic and quick. But he does do one thing that I've noticed. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's very careful. No. Sometimes, sometimes to a fault, like maybe in the Gamboa fight, he's a little bit patient. But he doesn't make a lot of errors. And so for a guy like Linares who can be dangerous and maybe a little bit chinny at 35. I don't know exactly how much Haney's going to open up, but I tend to think even if he doesn't, Lenares doesn't have what it takes to break it open. That gives me... I, I'm, I agree with your point about the odds, but I'm still struggling a little bit to see exactly what Lenares can do to crack open the egg, so to speak. Unfortunately, I think you're right. And the odds have, you know, William Hill has minus 1,000 for Haney, plus 650 for Linares. You can, I've seen it as high as minus 1,500 for Haney. And it's like, that doesn't tell the real story of the fight. Yet, what is the real story of the fight? We want to see Linares at least push Haney and find out how he can finally do with some resistance. Because to your point, the narrative has slightly changed on Haney. When people were coming after him early, Luke, whether he was on Showbox or once he signed with Eddie Hearn in Matchroom Sport and he went to DAZN, 
he can get you the frick out of there with knockout punches and look spectacular. His knockout of that guy, Moran, you remember that knockout from a couple years ago? Forgot the guy's first name. Look up, go to YouTube and look up Haney versus Moran. I mean, he almost killed the guy. Like, he's he has every single tool, but why I say the narrative changed is because the last two fights, he looked boring as balls against old Gamboa, against whoever he fought the fight before. It, it was it was too passive. You know, it was it was technically beautiful. But he's in this group of guys that I keep talking about who are trying to one-up each other. Gervonta had the knockout of the year against uh, Leo. Ryan Garcia did big things to open this year. I mean, these guys, Teo beat Loma. These guys are making noise right now. This is that chance for Devin because even though, yes, historically, Linares, for as brilliant as he can be, he can be a little bit chinny. Nobody's going to forget, Luke, his fight against Antonio DeMarco. It's such a great fight. It was back in, like, 2012 where Linares had that fight in the bag, and then DeMarco just kept walking him down until he finally cut his face, and he stopped him in the 11th round, and it was dramatic as all hell. It's like that, in some way, is the story of Linares' career. He looks awesome, but there's, there's vulnerability there. Haney's probably going to win this fight, whether he does it boring or he steps it up and knocks him out. But you want to see the resistance and you want this to build towards something big. Him and Ryan Garcia, at least for right now, Luke, are both, they have separate promoters, but they're both under the DAZN stable. Dude, they got to start building to that. They fought each other something like six times as amateurs. There's debate over who got the better of the who overall. Like, that has to be what we're building to because mm -hmm. I love this Lenars fight. It can get me excited because we're supposed to learn something. But it can't be like we do this fight and then we do two more fights you don't care about. Like, let's do it. It's time. Yeah, and then the Gamboa fight. The other problem is you kind of alluded to it, but it's worth stating out loud. Dan uh, Haney won the fight. It was kind of a stinker, and he was kind of expected to shine. Like, it's not just that Linares is a better opponent in a number of different ways, including for excitement, but, like, you know, we need to build towards something. Yes, you need a nice rebound. You need something to remind people about why they were excited about you in the first place. And... BC, there's not a whole lot of competition. Yes, Showtime Boxing has fights. There's no UFC. There's no giant pay-per-view event this weekend. There's nothing really overshadowing it. I guess NBA playoffs to an extent. But, you know, if you're a boxing fan, you have a real opportunity to clue in on the guys that are worth probably being uh, a little bit more of that, worthy of that attention. Um, you know, no excuses this time, I'll say. All right, Luke. Our final topic of the week is is something we have obviously alluded to earlier. Uh, just get ready because it's time. Fight week is coming. Next Sunday night, June 6th, Showtime pay-per-view, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. Uh, it's bragging rights. And whether you love it, whether you hate the spectacular, you're going to be watching. Like, you will. You're going to find out what's going down because 44-year-old Floyd Mayweather is back against 26-year-old YouTube sensation turned boxer? Logan Paul. Luke, I was in Dorado, Puerto Rico earlier this week in what can best be described as a shanty of a gym connected to an elementary school of all places to check out the Paul brothers who were in camp. Uh, Jean Pascal was there. Uh, Jaleon Love, the former Mayweather Promotions fighter who helps train Jake. A uh, couple other fighters and in, in, in boxing folks there. But the Showtime cameras were rolling. We're going to see the Logan Paul interview later today, as we mentioned. Eventually, the Jake one will come out, too. I'm going to have so many stories off of these interviews on CBSSports.com in the next week. But whether you like it or not, this fight is here. Manich, can we start off this discussion about what I learned by throwing to the second of the uh, three videos we have here of Logan. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Is it a troll job just going from being YouTube sensation to getting Floyd Mayweather to agree to a boxing match with you? Is that a troll job in itself? You're witnessing the greatest finesse in history. Yeah. Why is Floyd Mayweather getting in the ring with me? Like, he, he has everything to lose, you know what I'm saying? Like, he got fin- you got finessed. You got finessed, Floyd. And then, imagine I beat him for one second. I have to imagine taking this fight would be a regret. Luke, here's what's interesting. Is everyone's, like, talking about, like, the Paul brothers coming into boxing. Like, coming into a world they don't belong. Yet... One of the biggest takeaways I can tell you from talking to both at length is they see it the exact opposite. They not only told me Floyd needs us, his star is the one that's lessening. He's not connected to the next generation like we are. And again, whether you hate the Paul brothers or not, they've got a combined like 43 million YouTube subscribers. And that's not even counting TikTok or, you know, whatever else they got going on. I'm too old to even follow that shit. But their, their, their thought here, Luke, is that they finessed Floyd into coming into their world. They are outspoken trolls. You saw the the gotcha hat stuff. You saw all that stuff. At the end of the day, they're going to fight, and that's Floyd Mayweather's world. That's his ring. But do you, I guess, understand and agree with what they're saying? They, they lured him into what they're doing. Yes, Floyd is a huge favorite in this exhibition. I know we can talk up Logan's six inch height advantage and uh you know four inch reach advantage and 18 inch age advantage and 40 to 50 pound weight advantage and that's those are all interesting elements whether you think it's bullshit or not one thing you could say is we've never seen a fight like this right this eight round exhibition is unique in that aspect but is there any element of like floyd kind of out of his space going into what they do entering into this troll world he got his hat ripped off he got embarrassed what is that what does that what does that mean troll world what is that I'm asking you. I'm asking you, Luke. Yeah, but you can't just say things like that. Like we all we brought him into our world. Well, no, no, you, no, no, you didn't. I mean, well, to an extent. Like part of what they said is correct. Is Floyd star fading? Well, let's just be honest. Is he the two million pay per view by guy who beat Canelo? No, that guy is kind of long gone. I think Floyd Floyd's doing this against a donk from YouTube for that reason because he's not that same guy anymore. Okay, I mean, Father Time gets us all. I don't think it's any kind of controversial statement. Um, so yes, like. You know, are they both meeting in the middle where one, uh, both sides are kind of feeding off what the other provides so that the sum is greater than the, the individual pieces of the parts? I, I think you are getting a little bit of that, right? That's, why, that's what the appeal is here for whoever wants to watch. That, that's sort of the point. So, okay, yes, you did get him, uh, 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 you did cajole him or however you want to put it into signing up for something that is unusual outside the bounds of what he typically does and carries a degree of risk that I think you couldn't dismiss. But the other part is it's like, dude, it's a boxing match. And everyone, I've sort of brought this up with a casual fan, they're like, yeah, but this these guys, they, they're training hard. I'm like, I bet they are. But you'd have to do that for 20 years to even have a chance, probably. Although at that point, it'd be too late and Floyd would be too old. So it's like, you know, the whole finesse thing. I mean, listen, Logan's going to get paid and people who want to see this are going to get what they want to get. How is Floyd being finessed? Does anybody know the actual reality of Floyd's life. Like, if you can say whatever you want about Floyd Mayweather, 
good or bad. Show me the last time that dude got finessed. I would, I would love to see it. That dude's been winning against the house every turn card on the river for about the last 20 years. I mean, and in he, and out and, of the ring. I mean, yeah. whether it's and not by accident, dude, he is very careful and understands what he's good at, what he's not good at. What can I do? What can I not do? And yeah, BC could a mistake be made where Floyd doesn't take this seriously at all. And this big ass dude who can, you know, land a decent punch because something happened, of course. But Floyd is only taking this because he doesn't see that risk is real. And if you're wondering why we're focused on it, because we're a week out, this is a sort of the storyline part. We're going to get into the actual fight next week, whether that'll be a short discussion or not, Luke. But the whole point is like, I mean, who needs each other more? You know, Floyd does kind of need this. This gives him the opportunity for does relevancy. He? In, in, does in, he? In not need. Okay, not need. But it does give him the, the reach into areas he's not normally in, this whole sure. sort of Gen Z anime gaming culture. There's the potential for a two-fight series here, obviously, if he beats Logan. And then there's the history with Jake. I asked both. Jake says there's unfinished business with Floyd. It's interesting. Logan said, uh, essentially, you know, I could see that fight happening, but I don't want it to happen. You know, sorry, Jake. Like, because, you know, I want to go out there and beat Floyd. So you can understand that. But the only time Floyd's been kind of finessed, Luke, before this was maybe in the Four City promotional tour with McGregor, who was wittier on the microphone and sort of, sort you know, of, you of. could say kind of beat him in that game, whether that meant anything. Well, they got in the ring and it didn't matter. But here's what's <laughs> it interesting. It didn't mean shit. That was four years ago. McGregor on paper obviously is a much more dangerous threat in theory than, than Logan Paul, even with the size difference. But, you know, all reports were that Floyd, even people, talking to people on his team that, you know, he didn't really train for that fight, and you know, and his plan worked perfectly against Connor. But he's four years older. You gonna, you think he's gonna train? Like, what do you think his actual? My, and Floyd doesn't do a lot of interviews. We probably won't really get to hear what he thinks about all this until you know Thursday or Friday of fight week, because that's how Floyd operates. He has that control. What do you? What would you guess is his actual mindset and preparation level? Because we've never seen a shit show like this before, Luke. He told Barstool he feels like he can just show up and be fine. I honestly think that that is his motivation. If he, if, if he didn't really train, I mean, he was in shape, but if he didn't really train, train for the McGregor fight, what do you all expect he's going to do for, I think, is it two-minute rounds? Or is it three-minute three rounds for eight rounds? Three-minute rounds, I think. Yeah, I mean, okay. dude, he can do that in his sleep. He can do that no problem. Uh, granted, you know, you talk to analysts who watched him in the McGregor fight, and they, they noticed a difference between that Floyd and the Floyd who had boxed, you know, uh, even just years before that against Berto. But so I'm expecting an absolutely, a, you know, some some lesser version of that. But, you know, what's his mindset? His, his mindset is, I can't believe that this is legal and I get to make a shit ton of money boxing dudes who aren't boxers. I can't believe the state is going to let me okay. just fucking ca cash this kind of a check. But they By are. By the way, sh shout out to Florida, who has no cares commission-wise. Remember when uh, Las Vegas was like, we're not really sure we should do this with McGregor. He doesn't Dude, have any don't you Don't you remember, like, there was controversies with McGregor, like, is the glove made out of horse hair? Is it not? What's the weight going to be? Dude, no one cares about the weight on this thing. Gloves, sure, whatever the fuck. Just tape them with duct tape if you need it. Just let him get out there. People have a very like open attitude about this, I have to say. 
and and we are Showtime cash checkers, and we will be there next week. But you know, we've both obviously identified this is a this is a carnival shit show. So just buckle up and and, and you know and get ready for that. It is what it is. Yeah, um, it is what it is. For for Logan to say now, look, I, we we said you know Floyd's never been finessed, or you know, well Jake stole his hat. So that's the only that's the only win they have is Jesus, basically Brian. Do Floyd, you hear yourself? No, I don't mean win because they got the hat. I mean win because they embarrassed him and lured him into their into their stupid world. So from that point of view, what Logan just said in that clip is understandable, but he's using that to set up like Floyd, you're in our world. And if you lose here, you know, this is embarrassing. This would be a stain, blah, blah, blah. And it would, but again, Floyd's world is the ring. So really those comments are just words at the end of the day. Um, Luke, let me tell you what I learned from the brothers. Um, they, you know, to your point, you better be training. They are, they are, they are taking this seriously, and that's one thing you and I said, whether you loved or hate them, back when they were on DAZN a couple years ago, fighting other YouTubers. Like, is this great for boxing? It's still up for debate, but people care, and they are training legit. They got pro trainers, they got real sparring partners, but um, you know, one question I didn't like. I'll be honest here. I asked Logan Paul. You know, you're gonna brawl Floyd. You're gonna, you're gonna, you know, uh, cheat. Are you gonna stretch the rules? Like, what is your actual chance, given the the obvious gap in skill here? And he gave the answer. Now, again, this is words. It could be a a mind game. And one thing I learned from spending hours in that gym is these Paul brothers. If you don't believe they're they're smart, I mean, dude, they they are, you know, whether it's them specifically or the people behind them. They're market. You don't make millions by accident. Like they are multi-millionaire marketing geniuses. Love them or hate them. And Logan even said as much, Luke. That I play a dumb character publicly, but like you know, I know what's going on. But Logan's quotes were, "We're gonna box them. We're gonna use our jab and outbox them." Then Logan's trainer, Milton Lacroix, who has you know plenty of experience. Shannon Briggs to the heavyweight title. I mean, is an OG in boxing. He's like, "We're gonna go in there and box him and then knock him out." Look, I'm not trying to like connect this to a real fight strategy, like, but you know, Canelo famously came in there in 2013 and tried to outbox the greatest boxer of his generation, and look what happened. And you could argue, hey, BC, shut the f up. I don't care what strategy they say or have. Floyd's still gonna mop the floor with Logan, and that may be true. But look, me hearing Logan Paul and his trainer try to actually talk up his boxing ability and say, no, no, you don't understand. We had Zab Judah in here. We had Victor Ortiz. We had pro after pro. They couldn't believe Logan's jab and how good he is. His only chance is to make this a shit show, right, Luke? Like, what are we even talking yeah. about right here? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Listen, he's a big, strong kid. And BC, we've seen enough. He's obviously an athlete, you know, and, and, I, and I'm certain. I, 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 all jokes aside, all jokes aside. It is obvious he's got some athletic ability, and it is obvious he is training his balls off. Like there's no, there's no denying that. But you know, you're still talking about somebody who's basically a white, probably not even a blue belt uh, for whatever the equivalent would be. You're talking about someone who's like a multiple time world champion. Like, you know, yeah, there's going to be a big difference between that and uh, the other guy. So keeping that in mind, I, you know, listen, I'm not here to bank on whether or not his jab is going to get it done. This was the mistake that. Uh, Ben Askren made, you know, granted Ben's in a different situation too for all the training he did not really do, but you know, he tried to, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to work on some of the things that me and Duke worked on Do tie up with the guy, lean on him, pull him, push him, make the ref warn you about what fouls you can get away with. Dude, we know from watching MMA, you can do a three stooges bit. You can kick him in the balls. That's a warning. 
Fucking poke him in the eye. That's another warning. Fucking kick him in the balls again. Okay, next time, mister, you're really going to get it. Dude, you, okay, maybe you can't get the eye poke thing, although with the thumb you might be able to. But I'm not advocating, BC, for fucking up Floyd in some kind of illegal way. I'm just saying, if I was Logan Paul, I'd be... I'd be forming an exploratory committee to see how far I could push the lines of what's what I can get away with. If that's where your advantage lies in all of that fuckery, you got to go in that direction. And look, Canelo didn't do that, and he famously got badly outboxed, and it was kind of a you know a humbling, embarrassing moment. Even Conor Luke, and I know the talk heading into that fight four years ago was like, there's you know language in the contract that if Conor does a spinning back kick, you know he's going to face legal action, he's going to get arrested. But to, but to be honest, Luke. If we can look at Mayweather-McGregor as an actual fight for a second, like, Connor's strategy sucked too, bro. Like, he didn't try to brawl him. He didn't try to... I know he did those those hammerhead shots that were kind of weird and, and, and didn't necessarily get disciplined for, but he tried to outbox Floyd as well. It's like, like what you're mm-hmm. saying. I'm not advocating for you to knee Floyd in the face, but you better have some idea that my only chance in this comedic Super Bowl here is to go in there and actually try to hurt the guy, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're Andy Kaufman and you're the champion of wrestling women, (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's a fair analogy or not, but I'm just sort of pointing out, like, dude, look, man, you know, this whole idea about you're going to outbox a guy, no the fuck you are not. I mean, you might for a second or an exchange or whatever, but over time, it's the same thing Joe Rogan used to say. You're going to leave openings you don't know are there. You're going to create openings that you don't know exist, and Floyd's going to see all of them, and it will be terrible for you. However, however, if you start doing double overhooks and then maybe tripping him and then hooking his leg and you know pulling on his collar and all kinds of shit, man, you never know like what could open up there. There's all kinds of stuff that could that could get going. But you know, I'm going to beat you on skills. Good luck. Now, I will say one more thing, too. Jake Paul is much more interested, Luke, to be taken serious as a legit yes. fighter. He I've noticed that. Logan Paul, like, you were there, BC, but, like, from the outside looking in, as I mentioned, he's a big, strong kid, and he's obviously training, but, like, the guy who wants the boxing affirmation more than the other one is definitely Jake. He wants to be, like, I definitely feel like before it's said and done, he'll have a reasonably uh, real boxing fight like against someone of a commensurate level who does this for real he he probably of the two is a better candidate for that that's why i've always loved your your kimbo slice comparison like jake seems to be entering a, a kimbo slice portion of his career where yes he's a carnival attraction but like kimbo took it seriously he wanted to be a real fighter he got on the ultimate fight you know what i mean like he got like there, there's legit things that happen there whether i question still the legitimacy of some of those fights just like i at least questioned the jake versus Askren fight because some parts of it looked a little you know interesting but here's the dynamic between the two brothers the dichotomy the contrast whatever you want to say is like jake overall luke is certainly the goofier crazier one of the two he's covered in tats he's the problem child he's untying floyd shoots doing gotcha hat Yet he's like super serious that, no, you'll find out I'm a real fighter. You know, he did say, I don't care about the titles. Boxing has too many of them, but he wants to make big fights. He wants to knock people out. He wants to be considered, you know, legit. Logan's the one who's like, you know, you'll, you know, eventually I'll win you over. But yes, I'm finessing uh, Luke. I'm finessing Floyd. Uh, This is more of just like me clowning. I will say this. They're smarter, like I mentioned, way smarter, whether you love them or hate them, than you realize it is a ridiculous story, Luke, that we're here, that, that Logan Paul in particular, who originally, 
you can argue that Jake's more famous now. I'm not even sure which one's more famous. But originally, it was Logan Paul was that guy, that YouTube guy. And people hated him for the Suicide Force thing, rightfully so. But to think that just, you know, that was three, four years ago. And now they're not only boxers, but like legitimate pay-per-view stars and fighting Floyd Mayweather. I mean, it is pretty ridiculous, you know, in terms of like a career path and making it work. So it's like whether you you're, you're done with this conversation, you want us to move on or not. Like I got to give Logan that. And whether you thought gotcha hat was the stupidest shit you ever saw, it is selling this fight and it may end up leading to Floyd versus Jake. And it may have been a big part in Jake getting a showtime deal. Either way, Luke, they're here. They don't seem to be going anywhere. We'll see where this goes. And I think people will care next week. We got one more clip to throw to it. I think it's centered upon the whole idea of gotcha hat, Manich, if you can tee this up to close the conversation. But yeah. you seem to be embracing the, for lack of a better term, a shit show sort of element to this fight. Are you? That, that this is carnival circus fun? It is a circus, but I'm going to be honest, I wasn't at first. Like, I was really treating this kind of like a respectful exhibition. Uh, wanted to be, uh, acknowledge Floyd's career path and everything he's accomplished. And I was trying to be respectful. And then my brother took his hat <laughs> and he said he was going to kill Jake. And like, I don't take that shit lightly. It's become super personal. Um, and just the way he's talking online, like he thinks he's in control of this fight to the T. Uh, it's going to take 44 years of Floyd's life for him to be humbled. All right, Luke, it is what it is, bro. It's it's good content at the very least. You can check it out later just, today on Showtime I just, I'm Sports. Listen, uh, listen, I just can't watch it and not laugh. I can't, you know, I just can't. I can't. Well, if you're going to laugh at anything, laugh at how uh, how rock lobster and sweaty and chubby your boy BC looks. I'm working on it, all right? I'm working on it. I mean, could but, you uh, have worn warmer clothes? Jesus Christ. Did you have to get okay, the just, thick-layered dungarees on, motherfucker? Wear some shorts. Just so, peop- just so people... I, so it's like I, bought a, I brought a nice outfit and I brought a shitty one. And then when I realized like, where we're actually going, Luke, um, it's in a you know town or city or whatever, but like... There's no AC in there. You walk in and it's hot as shit. And then for the interviews, they turn off those industrial sized fans, Luke. I mean, I'm just, it is a flood. I had paper towels clandestinely in each pocket that I'm just picking out in between questions and just wiping up like a savage. So yeah, Luke, I survived that. Shout out to the Paul brothers for welcoming us in. Luke, they'll they'll care next Sunday night, June 6th, pay-per-view. We'll see what happens there. Thank you for indulging my stupidity for a little bit. Luke, you may have thought, or maybe our listeners thought, that us giving this much time to the Paul brothers is really the wrong thing to do. But either way, Luke, it would not be the only time BC and LT are, in fact, dead wrong. Dead wrong. Uh, 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 uh. There's seven different levels to devil worshiping, horses, sex, human sacrifices, cannibals, candles, and exorcism, animals having sex with them, camels, mammals, and rabbits, but I don't get into that. I kick the habit. All right, go ahead. Call me Larry Hoover. All right, Luke, uh, you know the premise. Morningcombat at gmail.com is our email address for Wednesday's fan submissions and for Fridays when you and I are willing at least to entertain the idea of taking an L. We start off with Michael, Ryan, and Andrew jumping in. Hi, Luke and Brian. This is specifically from Ryan from South Korea. He says, on the Friday, May 21st edition of Morning Combat, Luke kept referring to Bellator as Strike Force, especially when in relation mm. to Valerie Lareda's career. Uh, he doesn't say it here, Luke, but people jumped at me for not correcting you. I guess I didn't hear you in real time. I yeah. don't always hear you. I do Luke, that a lot. 
Yeah, you got to. For some reason, I, I just keep connecting the two, but they are distinct. Yes, my bad. I mean, to be fair, Showtime broadcasted both now. Scott Coker yeah. was the face behind both now. Rich yeah. Chow was the matchmaker behind both. Like, it, you know, staff members, Danny Brenner in the PR game. Yeah. It ain't it's that a lot of dif- same people. different. All right. Shout out to Danny Brenner, though, just the same. I mean, he's a weird dude, Luke, but I, I do like him a lot. Yeah, keep, keep inviting him to dinner. Please, that's no. Remember great when he invited himself to our Showtime dinner? I, but I, I said, well, I welcomed him. He's part I was of like, the dude, family. Why would you do that? And you're like, oh, well, I just, you know, I love it. I'm like, all right, all right. Uh, Luke Vincent. I'm teasing, Animesh. Danny. Since you're watching this, you're gonna text me after this, being all bitter. We're teasing, okay? Yeah, you, yeah, Danny, you old bitch. Uh, Vincent Animesh jumped in. They said Monday show at 10 minutes and 37 seconds. Luke says. Marlon Marish, former champion. Guys, I dead wronged him in, in real time. Why the fuck Luke has the impression that Marlon Marish was Bantamweight champion? He has been know. dead wrong so many times, and for some fucking reason, he did it anyway. Dude, I, my brain will not allow me to view him as anything other than your long-standing UFC bantamweight champion. It does not matter how many fucking times you correct me. My brain is broken. So, yes, dead wrong. Absolutely fucking dead wrong. Marais did fight for the vacant title against Henry Cejudo, and he's been a contender, but now he's on a bad streak. Hopefully he can turn that around, Luke. All right, this is from Colin. Levity, levity, Luke and BBC. On the Monday, May 24th show, Brian hit puberty and cited his voice cracking as a, quote, Greg or Bobby Brady moment. The only problem is that it was Peter Brady that famously Ooh. had his voice crack in an episode of the Brady Bunch. Uh, yes, Colin, thank you for dead wronging me. Peter was the middle child in the moment. I couldn't come up with his name. Uh, the youngest one in curls, Luke. Did you used to see, watch I have that to say, show? I have to say something about this segment. It's gotten better. Have you noticed that when people go after us now, they name the show, they give you the number of the show, they even give you the timestamp of when you did it. That's better. I'm I'm liking well, dead wrong more why? these days. Because you lost your shit a few times on him, Luke. Okay. You know I had to whip him into shape, but now they're getting us with. I don't. You haven't seen me protest the L's here very recently because they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good ironclad L's. Look, I don't know if I told this before, but growing up, so this was my mom's favorite show ever. So growing up, I've watched every episode like the same amount of times I've watched Saved by the Bell, like a million times, right? And it was always like my, my sister and I was like, that's our mom's show. So when my sister went to college at uh, Western Connecticut State University, uh, uh, Greg Brady, uh, what's his name? Barry Williams. He, he had a new book called Growing Up Brady. I don't know if you remember this book that came out around like 95 or 6 where it was when he broke the bombshell that him and Marsha Brady used to hook up off screen back in the day. It was like a big sort of sex story to sell the book. My sister went to some like bullshit public thing at her college and waited in line for like an hour afterwards, finally gets up to Greg Brady and is like, my mom's your biggest fan ever. I bought two of your books. Would you mind signing one to me and one to her? And he yelled at her in front of everybody and was like, I told you I'm only signing one and got the PR people to come over and remove my sister in tears, Luke. All right. Uh, sorry, I wasn't listening. I was watching <laughs> hardcore pornography. <laughs> so I'm holding that receipt, Barry Williams, okay? I'm coming for you, bro. All right? All right? You know, you're going to come on, Greg Brady, then then come. Okay? Come on. All right? Yeah, I'm watching watching lots of people come on right now. Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) You should, people should know the real Luke. He's just like, hey, bro, last night 
I watch so much porn that involves physical violence and choking <laughs> and burning skin and like you know just like please just just please. if people only knew how how our roles were flipped off camera Luke it'd just be all right all right uh, this is from Miko he says hi Duncan Steins first of all love the show it's the best MMA and boxing coverage out there second in the Mondays have you seen this shit segment look at Miko Luke. Trying to soften us up early with the praise and then yeah. coming in underneath. And then just with murdering the... us, yeah. When you talked about the legendary grocery store hunter-gatherer, you guys guesstimated the store to be in Russia or Pensacola, Florida. The reason why we did, Miko, is because the Instagram account was look at this Russian. That's why we did that. Uh -huh. However, the video was shot in Sweden, which is easy to tell by a couple of the products seen on the video, the Lata brand of butter and the Pistazian, which is pistachios in Swedish. A light L for the team, MK. You're welcome. Keep up the content, the great content. P.S. When will MK Merch 2.0 be available? Blah! Miko. Uh, Miko, you can wait until your children's children and probably still not be wearing that shit, okay? Yeah, they'll be, they'll yes. be new. Like, you know how, like, uh, the original host of The Man Show... Where Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Adam Carolla. Yes, like, yes. MK will have like a new Rogan and Stanhope before there's merch yes. 2.0. The second rate, second yeah, yeah. Oh, damn, I forgot that that is, for some people, how they first learned of Rogan. Although, obviously, he had the, uh, what, that show where they'd put their hand in spiders. Fear Factor. Uh, Fear Factor. If you have, have you ever heard watching... Doug Stanhope's bit on killing the man show? He admits he killed the man show. You ever heard it? I, I have not heard. I will look it's it up, though. It's fucking hilarious. It's very, very good. I was just watching the other day that clip of on the uh, Fear Factor. Remember when Rogan attacked that guy? My, the Miz was on that episode. Yeah, that dude tried episode? to put. Well, the dude, no, no, the dude tried to put hands on Rogan, and Rogan responded. So that was totally fair. And it was the Miz, the real world wrestler guy who jumped in the middle to break it up. It was interesting. All right, yeah. uh, this is from um, I don't know. Hey guys, JP from Lily Lake, Mount Unike, Nova Scotia, Canada. Here, Mount. Unike? Unike? I don't know. Love the show and all you do for us. Thank you, you Canadian. Uh, Morning Combat episode 161. At an hour and 30 minutes, Luke says, You hit the lamp on the phone, you know. You know, like this thing? Question mark. Pretty sure it's called a flashlight, LOL. Oh. Nitpicky one, but wanted to contribute to the show other than the million drunk people wipeouts I send BC every week on Instagram. Thank you, JP. You are like the drunken swan on Instagram, one of my OGs who sends me all that shit. Because uh, BC makes it look easy. Uh, Luke, there's no such thing as a lamp app. Yeah, all right. It's a boomer thing. Yeah, I, I think old. you were talking about uh, Yanni the Greek's teeth, and you were comparing it to a flashlight, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, listen, I'm old and washed. What do you want me to do? Yeah, what do you want? What do you want, Jay? All right, another Jay. Like we got enough Jays we got to deal with on a on a regular basis. All right, final one here, Luke. On Mondays, have you seen the shit? Luke says this is 100% Dubai at an hour and 24 minutes when referring to Lomachenko at Salt Bay's restaurant. But hey, Luke, it's actually Beverly Hills. Nonetheless, I like Luke's 100% mm. confidence in all things Salt Bay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's verify that. before. I, I, if I'm wrong, I, listen, I've been wrong most of these today, so I'll happily take I mean, take why would L. Loma be in Dubai, Luke? Why would Loma be there? He, because he that's where the restaurant is. The What's-his-face? Oh, but you're right. It was the the Beverly Hills version. Fuck. Okay. L. L taken. There you go. All right. Eating shit. All right. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, I gotta. I gotta yeah. You got a back that's scratcher? Not, I do. That's not gross, right? I've done some gross things on the show, but that's not gross, right? I'm gonna go to your house. I'm gonna scratch something else with it. <laughs> All right, uh, Luke. We are. I'll tell you what. On Fridays, when BC hosts, and especially when we have nothing to talk about, we we really yeah. are efficient. We are in yeah, and it's out. It's more about we have nothing to talk about than your efficiency. Because hello, hashtag Wheel of Death. You just kill me with how long it takes. But uh, yes, Friday shows are quicker. We have yeah, to do a lot tips of though. Believe I, a lot of people believe I should have been hosting from the beginning, Luke. But that's a yeah. A lot of people no. A lot of people don't believe that. But it's nice that you host on Fridays. I agree. Thank you, uh, Luke. Every Friday we close the show. A little tip on tip action. It's called, I think, just the tip. I, I actually we we never know what this fucking shit is called. Tip to tip. There you go. All right, all right. This is where we have a suggestion, advice, a shout out. Uh, Luke, yours is better than mine this week, so let me uh, let me shout out mine first. Let Luke, me guess. I got reach. Let me guess. Reach. Some 1970s vinyl piece of shit record no one cares about. <laughs> wow, wow. Luke, there is a website uh, called uh, RetroKid.ca. It's out of Toronto, and let me tell you what their business premise is. This is brilliant. Go around to all the TV franchises or movie franchises that we indulged in love as kids. Call up the people that own the IP address on there and work together with them to put out exclusive merchandise. Luke, I'm sure they reached out to you, uh, but did you see this blood sport package yes, that Retro out Kid put out yesterday? Do we yes. have the... The, uh, you know, yeah, this is a free ad. I'm, I'm shouting out because I was moved by this, Luke. The Shout out to the Kumite here. Can we run that shit or no, Manich? You got that or no? All right, all right. Thanks for thanks for the response. All right, they didn't grab the sh the link I sent them. Anyway, Luke, uh, thanks for thanks guys. Anyway, Luke, uh, you can go to uh, retrokid.ca or check them out on Instagram. They're cool. Luke. They're super cool. They put out some really cool shit with uh, with John Claude and everybody in the in the Bloodsport game. It's they own now the uh, exclusive rights to put out the merchandise. It is well worth your time if you're an old school fan to check that out. And of course, Luke mentioned that during Wednesday, or I did during Wednesday's Wheel of Death. Also, Luke, I'm not sure if you saw the Cobra Kai season four teaser that the show put out and Netflix put out yesterday, that officially announced Terry Silver is in the building. For season four. A man can't see, Luke. He can't fight. A man can't breathe. He can't fight. The quick silver method is back. Luke, I know you and I have watched, or you've watched the show, as have I. My kids live for it. Does that move you at all? Like, I'm fired up, Luke. No, I punted after the first season. Dude. Huh. Dude. Really? Yeah, I liked the first season a lot. And then I'll tell you exactly what happened. I started watching the second season, and I was like, I don't care about the lives of teenagers. I don't find it interesting. So wow. I, so I, wow. I punted. But I, don't, I punted. I don't look at it as just a teenage show. And, and in fact, I think that they're making that 50% of it has been brilliant because they're bringing in all levels of uh, ages to care. But Luke, their, their ability to take the story arc of the movies and extend them and make them cooler than the actual movies. I mean, they swear there's like... I mean, look, like it's it's brilliant. It's top shelf entertainment. I'll say this: look, it's suck. one of the, it's definitely, if not the best, at a bare minimum, certainly one of the better 
you know, brand refreshers I've ever seen in entertainment. I will give you that. I really enjoyed the first season. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not even telling you not to like the show. I'm just telling you so much of the plot revolves around what teenagers are doing in high school. I don't give a fuck. That is terribly uninteresting to me. And uh, there's not enough of the other stuff to keep me interested at this point. So You're it was fun for a season. You're basically painting me Sandusky Jr. hair for watching it. But, Luke, I'm into it. And, uh, and uh, I mean, they brought back Elizabeth Shue, Elliot with an eye in season three. I mean, Kreese is this maniacal badass. I mean, it's it's on I know. Right now, All these faded donks are looking for another paycheck off this franchise. I don't even blame them. But I'm not, I'm not you know. What? Oh, teenagers Luke, so have I- angst in high school. Don't care. Just don't I, I I might put this on dead wrong next week. I th- I think you're wrong. I think you missed it. I think you missed it, Luke. But I'm not telling you it's bad. I'm telling you I don't like it. That's that's different. Okay. Like I'm not making well, a broader you. claim about its worth. Thank you, Retro Kid, for putting out that blood sport shit. I I can't wait to start wearing it. It's good stuff. Um, and thank you, season four of Cobra Kai, for entertaining me. Okay, Luke, let's why don't you take over the show? I, All right. Yeah. So from mine here, very easily, you know, listen, Brendan Schaub is a uh, fellow Showtime uh, talent. I consider him something of a big brother, a friend, and a confidant in the industry. But you know, BC, even for our friends, and we're kidding here, so to the motherfuckers at Malka who are going to make this later, don't don't not put what I'm about to say in here. We can't not, uh, you know, we got to make fun of our friends on this show. That's part of what we do here. And Brendan Schaub, again, friend, took to Instagram and social media yesterday and posted himself lifting weights at a very famous gym, Zoo, Zoo Factor, I believe it's called. Watch this bench press here. It's supposed to be 400 pounds. I believe that's right. The big ones are 45 on each side. Then he's got a 25, a 10, a 5, and a 2.5, I think. Uh, one. Here we go. And then two. There we go. Okay. BC, I got to tell you, here's what my tip is. Brendan, buddy, <laughs> your, bench is, your bench is blockbuster. You need a trainer, guy. That's the worst bench press I've ever seen. Okay, I say this out of love, and I also say this, Malka, you need to put this in the uh, in the thing that you're going to put on social. That's five pounds stronger than my lifetime total, and he did it for two. Brendan is way stronger than me. This is not a claim that I could do better. Fuck no. But I could do a cleaner bench. He looks yeah, like he's getting electrocuted with his ass coming off the bench this way. Okay, number one. It's like the Tony Ferguson deadlift video. You ever seen that one where there's like no, there's no contraction of the muscles whatsoever. And he just looks like a jellyfish a little bit. Look, watch. It looks like he's being shocked through his heels. Watch this. Right? Here's the first one. And here goes the second one. For folks who may not know, you are allowed to lift your rear end off the bench to get set and to lift it out of the rack but you can't descend with the bar until your rear end is touching because otherwise it's all leg drive. That's the issue. You're allowed to have some leg drive, um, but not a whole lot. And people are asking, why do you arch your back? Arching your back is okay. It shortens range of motion. If you actually lock in your lats and your shoulders and everything, it can make it tighter, so that's okay. But BC, that's a poverty bench, buddy. Terrible, terrible form. And listen, I I kill everyone else when they've got terrible form. I've got to kill our friends here at Showtime, Brendan, Terrible, strongest, he's strong as fuck. That's a terrible bench, buddy. The wow, worst one I've ever seen. Killing in my life. Showtime's Phil Sims for his pull-ups wasn't enough. You got to go. No, I didn't kill him. The pull-ups were fine for, for working out, but they—if you don't hit full lockout, it doesn't count. Like 
you know, you're just. I don't talk shit about people that can put up four plates. You know, it's it's a four plate summer for Brendan. So what are we doing here? I don't. I don't. I mean, you're you're putting up weight. I mean, I put him. You know, look. I I just hope with with MK. You can, Doc say, the way he's the way he's doing that, you can get injured doing that. You can get injured. That's the, really the really. Well, look, MK Doc do. cameras will be rolling next week as I keep talking about. Uh, BS, Brendan Schaub will be, you know, the big brown one himself will be in proximity to LT and the big beige. Hopefully, Luke, not only can we get him on cam, maybe we can get him in the weight room. Maybe, Luke, maybe you could show big brown and big beige a little bit about proper form. You know, we can spot each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're not going to do that, but I am going to make fun of people who post videos where they have terrible form. I am I'll carry your giant jug of water if you want, Luke, okay? <laughs> I have to take the as you as you rightly noted. I have to take the label off the gallon of water because if I had it, it wouldn't make any sense. So there you go, Brendan. You're a big brother and a friend. You're strong as shit. That bench, horrific. All right, there you go. That's it. I'm done. There's my tip. Great weight worm. Never been in there, uh, Luke. Uh, my doctor, by the way, subsequently did tell me yesterday. Uh, I I am ordering you to start lifting weights four days a week for your upper body. Like, dude, you four know, days I, I, a week is like that. Your doctor didn't prescribe like a little bit of lifting. That's a lot of lifting. I'm like, doc, I have no libido. I have, I'm on mental health meds. I had a vasectomy. I'm a shell of myself at 42. He's like, hit the weight room, brother. All right. Okay, All it's right, time. I have to go. I'm about to go unload some weight from my rear end, so we need to wrap Look, this up. I, there are people who have DM'd me and was like, you know, the thing about your show that I love is that there's no time limit. You guys go until, and then he goes, until Luke's, the only time limit is Luke's bowel movements. I was like, you know what, bro? You nailed it. You nailed it. Okay, that is true. Guilty as charged. What can I say? All right. Well, look, guys, uh, you know, come on, right? Come on, already. It's time. We're, we're, we're going big here. So shout out to everybody. Showtime, Malka, CBS Sports. Follow us at the addresses below. Uh, check out the Logan Paul content coming out later today on Showtime Sports social channels on CBSSports.com. And if you don't believe that we are, we, are, we are bringing it next week, Luke and I will be arriving in South Florida on Wednesday. So much bonus live MK content coming Thursday, Friday, Saturday, fight day on Sunday. Luke, you and I have plans that we can't talk about, but that people would go, really? You serious, yeah, you serious yeah. right now? Like, like when they yeah. told me, even I didn't believe it. Uh, but it's so, true. Uh, so there There's going to be a celebrity clientele in South Florida with this type of fight. We got real fights. We got Chad Johnson fights. We got some fun coming your way next week, and it is obviously only the beginning. June and July will be huge. Uh, like the video. Subscribe. Store.show.com is where you can pick up the last remaining Merch 1.0 items, and uh, I have nothing else to say about our merchandise. Thank you. Showtime.com is where you can get a 30-day free preview. Guys, it's it's worth it, okay? Nonito Donaire is back. Showtime Championship Boxing, Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Bellator, you can only watch it on Showtime in the States. Uh, plenty of great reason, including Sunday, June 6th, when before Mayweather and Logan Paul take the ring on Showtime pay-per-view, 8 p.m. Eastern on regular Showtime is the start of that The King's four-part documentary series. Uh, hoping to secure a guest uh, on MK to, to further talk about that, Luke. What a great time of boxing history, and what a great doc to celebrate it. Uh, that's all I have for you this week for our great team. Uh, Mikey Morms, Matt Snyder, right? Gaff, Manich, Sally, 
Al Wendling. We got a great, we got a great core team here. My name is Brian Campbell. That man next to you is Luke Thomas. LT, do you have a holiday greeting for the people Memorial Day here? Uh, honor the fallen and don't drink and drive. Yeah, uh, don't text and drive too, John Anakin. May all your uh, your animals be spayed and loyal. My name is BC with two more words for you. We out.